We're going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this service today. But we're not here to get service. We're here to praise you. We're here to do your work. Father, thank you for this message you've given to me. I pray if anyone came in here today not knowing Jesus, that they would leave saved like the souls that came to you last night. Father, we pray that if anyone came in here sick in their body, facing financial obstacles, that you would make a way for them today. You'd give them a rhema word that would deliver them. Father, if anyone came in here oppressed, depressed, lonely, even suicidal, even feeling like they have no reason to live, I pray, God, that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and they would be, have fullness of joy in your presence. Father, speak through me. I'll get out of the way. You don't have to speak around me. Speak through me to your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I was hanging out with my son. He's back from Hillsong College after two years. And uh, he, you know, we were talking a little bit about what I was going to talk about today, what God had put in my heart. The whole message this Christmas is about, I'm glad Jesus came. Amen. Anybody else glad amen. Jesus came? Gosh. Last week, I was talking about what if he hadn't, and I started to get depressed, so I stopped talking about it. Um, I'm so glad he came, and my son said, Dad, you got to see this video. And I was like, okay, this is what I paid for two years of college for. It's a video. Okay, let's, I might as well, just kidding. Lighten up. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but uh, he said, Dad, you got to see this video. So I said, all right, let me see it. And I said, oh, I got to show that to the church. So we're going to show that to you right now. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness. Because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place, this the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become 
pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. (laughs) Totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? We don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. But Where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there, flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. Aren't you glad Jesus came? Aren't you glad Jesus came? Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 47. 
So my son shows me this video, and, and, and I'm looking at Ezekiel, his vision, his temple, something I've preached on a few times over the years. Um, but I just saw a whole new facet of it. Have, how many of you know that every, any scripture could be preached to like a thousand different times, that, that God's ways are so unsearchable? It says in Romans 11.33 how unsearchable are his ways, the depths of the riches. That's how relationship works, right? How many of you guys have totally figured out your wife? <laughs> we want you to lead the men's group. If you <laughs> no, it's the, it's the joy of finding out more and more about her because how unsearchable are her ways. Amen? I mean, just when I think I got it, I don't. But that's what relationship is built on. Amen? I mean, we want to find out more and more about God. We want to search him out. And he would never, he would never put in place something where you could figure him out because then you'd be done with him. You know, the only reason you would be done with your marriage is because you think you figured your spouse out. Trust me, you haven't. There's depth and there's richness. that can, And the joy is the process of discovering it. You know, I have a... Pastor, like, I'm always like, I want everything now. Like, I want 10,000 people in the congregation. I want that building over there. I want that building. As a matter of fact, I want it all for our church. And he says to me, would you enjoy the process? <laughs> enjoy the process of searching out God, finding out more about him. Um, and, and in this, these scriptures, I just, it's like, wow, it's so full of life. It's just amazing. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 6. He brought me back to the door of the temple. There was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side from the south of the altar. This is Ezekiel speaking. This is a vision he's having. And this man who's bringing him is most likely Jesus. It doesn't say it, but it's most likely Jesus. He brought me out by the way of the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces east, and there was water running out on the right side. And the man went out to the east with the line in his hand. He measured 1,000 cubits, which is approximately 1,500 feet. And he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river that I couldn't cross, a river that could not be crossed. One must swim to get across. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned to the bank of the river. So Ezekiel gets this vision of the holy of holy, holies in the temple, the area where God sits, where you can't go in. Remember the priest fell down? <laughs> and this son of man brings him around, this angel, whoever's leading him in this vision, brings him around the temple. And how many of you ever been to Israel and, and seen the temple mount and seen at least the outside of the way it is? So they went around the north gate, and the temple, the Holy of Holies, faced east towards the Dead Sea. And it said that the water was coming from out under the right side. And here's what the guy says to Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 47, I think it's, we have that scripture, but he says to him, have you seen this? Have you seen this? 
Let me ask you a question. Have you seen what God's doing? Have you seen? In John chapter 3, Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see what's going on in the kingdom of God. And what does born again mean? It means born again of the spirit. I'm here to tell you there's a lot going on. God is doing a lot right here, right here in Grace Church, right around here. Do you see it? You see junior and senior high kids coming up to the altar to worship. Do you see it? On Tuesday night downstairs, 32 young people got together, praised the Lord, heard the word, had a service down there, launched a new thing in this church. Have you seen it? <laughs> in between the services today, there was 40 or 50 people, I don't know, downstairs between different classrooms hearing the word of God taught. Do you see it? Last night, two people got saved. Over the last month, over 25 people have given their heart to the Lord. Do you see it? Have you seen it? Have you been to a couples group lately and seen people that wanted to strangle each other? Now they're like at least civil to each other. Have you seen it? Because I've seen it. I was at a couples group the other day and I, I said to myself, I said to Alicia, I said, there's four couples in here that were considering divorce. Now they got kids. I mean, they still might be considering divorce, but they got kids. They're trying to work it out. Have you seen it? Do you see it? Because it's happening whether you see it or not. God is doing stuff. There is a flow. There is something happening. There are little kids downstairs right now hearing the word of God. Some of them, after they eat a cookie, getting saved. Amen. Have you seen it? They're not eating the Christmas cookies. They're just... They get, we figure give the kids some candy and cookies. Even if they don't like Pastor Joe, the kids will say, I want to go back to that church. Praise God. Praise God. Have you seen it? Because he's doing something. Have you seen this? Because before you can get in the water or cross over the water, you got to see where it is. Imagine you couldn't see and you tried to live your life blind with no help. You'd be dead. Have you seen what he's doing? That's number one. Number two, how is he doing it? He's doing it through Jesus. He said, look, the water's coming out. It says it in two different spots. Put those scriptures up. Look at this. There was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. So it was coming from the Holy of Holies. It's coming from a place hidden. It's not all revealed to you. But you can see it's a fact. When people are full of the Holy Spirit and they have a flow of living water coming out from them. You, I mean, I don't know, have you walked into church lately and seen water coming out of people's? No, it's hidden, but it's there. You don't see it all, but there is a flow. And this water's coming from under the threshold. See, we are temples of the Holy of Holies now. The Holy of Holies is here. There's water coming out of us. <laughs> Toward the east, to the front of the temple, the water was flowing what side? Under the what side? The right side. And it was flowing under the right side, south of the altar. It's facing east. It's flowing from the right side. This is south. If this is east and that's west, what's this way? South. What's that? The right side of the temple. And he brought me out by the north gate. 
led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out of what? The right side. Everybody say the right side. <laughs> Why? You emphasizing the right side, Lord. Who is seated at the right hand of the Father right now? Jesus. Right? Yeah. Who's seated at the right hand of the Father right now? <laughs> we know that when Stephen was preaching and they were stoning him, it says that he looked up and he saw heaven open and he saw Jesus standing at the right side of the Father. That was one time he made him stand up. When you can preach and make God stand up, you're preaching a message. Hey, can I make you stand up today? <laughs> but he was at the right side. And throughout the Bible, you see where the right side is where the power is. In Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said to those that were about to crucify him, whip him, he said, listen, one day, I love, I love when Jesus gets in their face, don't you? Like Jesus is from New York <laughs> or, or in a lesser effect, New Jersey. Like, listen, one day <laughs> you're going to see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. One day he's going to get up and he's not just going to stand up. He's going to come from the right side where the power is. Everybody say the right side, right side. is where the power is. How many of you are left-handed here? All right, you're a little weird. Now, <laughs> that's not right. You're right. I still say you're a little weird. Ephesians 1.20 says this, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was seated at the right hand in heavenly places and power and dominion and everything that is named, not only in this age, but also in the name to come in the age to come was under his authority, under the power of the right side. So this flow is full of power. It's full of power. And dozens of scriptures say the same. Psalm 48.10 says this. Your right hand is full of righteousness. How many of you know that Jesus became sin? He became unrighteous for a moment, took the penalty of sin for us that we could be righteous. How many of you here are righteous on your own, always doing the right thing? Anybody? I know some of you think you always do the right thing. People will go, well, are they going to heaven? Well, oh, they're good. I go, not all the time. Only God's good all the time. Amen? But his right hand is full of righteousness. By what Jesus did, we can be righteous. The only way there can be a flow, the only way that this stream can flow and bring healing is through what Jesus did on the cross. It's the only way. It's the only way. Psalm 44.3, your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence favors them. God's favor comes from his right hand, man, Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, we have favor. Amen? How many of you have favor in your life? How many of you are God's favorite? <laughs> I'm going to write a book called God's Favorite. We got the Hittites, all these other rights. 
I'm a favorite. I'm a favorite. Why? Not because of anything I've done. Because of what Jesus did. Psalm 20 verse 6 says his right hand, his right hand saves. The saving strength of his right hand. We're saved because Jesus died on the cross. And we trust what he did. And then we receive salvation, the saving of our souls, as impure as we are. I remember a time thinking, there is nothing. I I don't deserve anything. The only thing I deserve is to die. And I wanted to die. And I I was self-destructive. Anybody here ever a little self-destructive? You don't like, you didn't like yourself. or you, It could be right here today, you don't like yourself. But then to find out that God loves you in spite of who you are. And I remember it being almost like this to me. You're sinful for not allowing God to love you. Like, you're missing the mark. Because to me, it was like, oh, you'd be humble and I don't deserve it. No, no, no. That's not it. If he says he loves you, he loves you. Let him love you. How many of you love your kids in spite of? And how many of you, do your parents spoil you in spite of? Well, I can't raise my hand for that one. (laughs) How much more if God says he loves you and favors you and has saved you and has given you his righteousness? Exodus 15, 6, your right hand, O Lord, shatters, dashes the enemy. How many of you feel like you got an enemy in the spirit? <laughs> I'm <not> talking about, <laughs> don't raise your hand if you think your spouse is your enemy. <laughs> We've been in some couples group and like, that's my enemy right there. <laughs> No, you're on the same team to act like it. But I'm going to tell you something. The devil won't bother with you if you're not doing anything for God. If you're not in the flow, don't tell me the devil's bothering you if you're not doing anything for God. Because if you're not doing anything for God, if you're not in the flow, if you're not bringing people to Jesus, then the devil doesn't care. He's already got you. You're just wasting time. That's why we need, put up that next scripture. We need victory. How many of you like to win? Honey, raise both your hands and a foot, okay? I'll tell you. Wait till you see that cookie competition. You want to see people that got competition? Oh, you're going to see it. Or play my wife in ping pong. I can't stand to play her in ping pong. You know what? I always beat her at everything. And then one day we played ping pong and it was like, she beat me. So then I stopped playing her in ping pong. <laughs> and then one time we were on vacation, and uh, there was a ping pong table. I always pretend like I didn't see it. Uh, that's not a ping pong table. No, no, no. They don't play ping pong in Mexico. No, it's not a ping pong table. <laughs> she goes, please, play ping pong, please. I was like, shoot. Holy Spirit, give me strength. I won the game 21-20. I was sweating. I had a headband on. I have not played her since. I refuse to go out a loser. I will never play her again. My hand, I can't play ping pong. When I turn the paddle, it just hurts. I can only play football and basketball now. I can't play ping pong. 
You know you're competitive when you know you can't win in something. You stop playing it. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, no, nah, I don't play those games anymore. <laughs> Do you like to win? <laughs> Some of you, you play Monopoly. You cheated, didn't you? Like, you cheat, you cheat Monopoly. Listen, my wife's brother told me, this was before Jesus, when they were little growing up, she used to take the hundreds and shove them right like that. And then, and then when they thought she was broke, she'd be like, no, I'm not broke. It's kind of like our life now. <laughs> I thought we were broke. Where'd you get that money from? I don't know. <laughs> Am I okay? <laughs> no, I got to check. Because if I say something wrong here, it's over for me, okay? For a good week. Do you know if you say one negative thing, it takes 10 positives to get back? In my marriage, it's more like 40. Anybody, amen, guys, anybody? Psalm 98.1, that's right. His right hand has won a mighty victory. How many of you want to win? I'll tell you what, if you're in God's flow, if you understand your righteousness, you'll never lose. If God is for you, nothing could be against you. If God is for you, nothing could be against you. Let me say it. If God is for you, wow, that's we win, let's go. Psalm 1611, this is my favorite one. You show me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy. Can you think of times in your life when you just had a lot of joy? I was sharing at the first service. Here's one time for me. No, it wasn't when you were born, even though that was really important. I had three girls and then a boy. I mean, I was running across the hospital. Yes, I can do it! <laughs> oh, they knew me through that whole hospital. When I saw that little thing, I was like, hey! Anyway. In the <laughs> All right, get back to church. <laughs> in 1990, I was at the Giants. I was at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Against the Buffalo Bills. Heard Whitney Houston sing the national anthem. I was on the 50-yard line, ninth row, sitting right in front of Bruce Smith's family. Any of you know who Bruce Smith is from the Buffalo Bills? Every time the Bills scored, they would do that song, kick your heels up and shout, come on, yeah, shout. Oh, Lord. Any, how many of you remember that game? For most of the game, it looks like the Giants were going to lose. All I could hear was, shout, come on, yeah, shout. Well, of course, the Giants came back and won the game, one of the most exciting games ever. And, and, yeah, come on. Giants, G, God, get it? I'll tell you lately, though, I'm like, Elizabeth, take me. I can't stand another one of these games. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I can't watch it anymore. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like being a Jet fan. You know what I mean? It's like you just want to. <laughs> or a worse yet, a Cowboy fan. Oh, my God. But I'm sitting there in the stadium, right? And the last play, the guy kicks the field goal. Remember, he missed it. The Giants won. I was up there like, yeah. You, not that I would be excited at a football game. Yeah. Do you know everyone in that stadium left? I'm still there. Yeah. Some security card goes over. You got to leave. <laughs> it's time to go. I like to be in the presence of joy. But his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are what? Pleasures for how long? 
for an hour, for a football game, forevermore. Anybody want pleasure forevermore? That's what comes from being in the flow and being in his presence forevermore, forevermore. Acts 2 verse 33 says this, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out. There it is. There it is. There's the flow. There it is at Pentecost. Poured it out. That's where it all started. He was seated at the right hand. And that's when the flow, that's when it started. It came from the Holy of Holies. He poured it out. He did it. It's him. And it says that when they measured out a little bit, the the guy crossed over and it, it just went up to here, to his ankles. And then they went out further and it came up to his knees, Ezekiel's knees. And then it went further and it came out to Ezekiel's waist. And then it went out further and it went to a point where it said, put up that scripture, the end of Ezekiel. It says, where you could only swim. You could only swim. That's not the scripture, but it's okay. It says there that you could only swim. That would be the only way you could cross. That's how mighty the waters were. That's how deep they were. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you know this, that where the temple is, it's like one of the highest points. Because when you go through Israel, if you go to, say, the Dead Sea, anybody ever been in the Dead Sea here? It's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Great for the complexion. Um, really is. You can float in the Dead Sea without, you, you can't sink. The water's so heavy. Now, me, I'm not a great swimmer. I'm a little nervous in the water. But anyway, I got in there, and, and really, everybody's just floating around. It's the weirdest thing. And you don't have to do anything. You just automatically float because the water's so heavy with minerals. The Dead Sea, the bottom of it is the lowest point on earth. And where Jerusalem is, where the temple is, is one of the higher points. So this, if you look at this water in the physical way, this water that's flowing east towards the Dead Sea. Now what happens when you have a high place and a low place and water flows to it? Well, of course, the further you get to the low place, what happens? The water's deeper. The water's deeper. So as the water flowed, it was deeper and deeper and deeper. And you know, as God's word goes forth to the lowest of low, the flow just gets deeper. Listen to this about the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea is where Sodom and Gomorrah were judged, right? Where they burned to the ground because of sin. It represents a place of judgment. It's a dead sea because it doesn't support any life. But the incredible thing about the dead sea, how many of you ever been in the mall and they rub that stuff on your hands? Right? How many of you guys, you let them rub it on your hands because they're pretty? Go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rub it on this hand. Yeah. yeah, rub it on that hand too. Go ahead. I mean, pretty girl wants to rub your hands. It's, it's okay. I mean, it's not... Okay, now I'm in trouble. <laughs> Just messing around. Now, how many of you have ever done that, right? You go there and they want to rub that stuff on your hands. Well, 
One day I was like, you know, oh, I was in the Dead Sea. We got that Ahava stuff. I got to get some of this. I brought this home and gave it to my wife as a present. Do you know it almost ripped her skin off? It was bad. So now when I go in the mall, I go, get away from me with that stuff. I'm going to sue you. But the point is, the Dead Sea, though it's dead, it has these minerals that are very valuable. Very valuable because of all the salt content. And uh, if you've been to the Dead Sea, what you do when you go there in the shallow part, you go in and you take the mud from under the water and you rub it on yourself. And it's like a spa treatment. It's true. You go there, everybody, it's like, there's monsters here. Because <laughs> there's people walking around with mud on them. But then they come to the shower and it washes off. And they're like, and I did it too. I, was, I don't really like doing spa stuff, you know. But Alicia was like, oh, isn't this great? I was like, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you put this mud on and you come out and you wash it off and you feel like, like brand new. Like alive. Like it's absolutely incredible. So it's very valuable what's in there. And do you know that as low as some people are or as low as you might have been, as dead as you were in your sins, you had some value. And when that water hits you, no matter how low you are, it brings all of it to life. I remember 28 years ago at 2 o'clock in the morning on a four-day binge, ready to take my own life where the water hit me. See, even though I saw myself as nothing but a waste, nothing as a bottom of a dead sea waste, God saw something in me. And he knew if his flow came to me. See, that's what this is about, Christmas. It's not about us going to him. None of us can scale the mountain of purity. But he has brought it to us. And it hit me. <laughs> And the dead came to life. It says wherever the waters go, it brings healing and it brings life. Everything will live wherever this flow goes. Everything. The worst teenager, the worst marriage, the worst sinner will live. Because I'm going to tell you something. At the lowest point, when the water gets there, by the time it gets there, it's all the anointing and deadness. See, it's never us. It's always him. So as low as it gets, that's where there's more of him. So if your marriage is hanging on by a thread, there's more of him. If your finances are hanging on by a thread, there's more of him. If the hole in your heart feels like the biggest hole, you're emptier than you ever have been, you're in a good place. If you'll allow the flow into your life. Listen to me, people. He first went in. See, some of us, we're just only ankle deep. You know, some of us, we don't even get wet. We're on the outside looking in. How many of you, when you get into a pool, you're like, oh, it's too cold. How many of you dive in? See, I'm a diver in. I'm saying, take the pain. But that's okay how you are. You could take one step. You could be in ankle deep. You could be in knee deep. And then you could be waist deep. But here's the best part. When you get to... <laughs> there was a part where he showed him. He said, that's too deep. You'd have to swim to be in that. You know what that is, people? I preached it a couple of years ago. You know what that is? 
being in over your head. See, some of us, well, you know, we dip, we come to church every once in a while. <laughs> then maybe we get involved knee deep. You know, we're doing a little prayer, maybe a little home group here. And then we're waist deep, and you know, we're, we're more involved. We come 70% of the time. We're really not sure what we're supposed to do. Then it starts to get up to here, and we're like, well, we get a little nervous. Like, how far am I going? And then there's those that get in and say, I'm in over my head. Let me tell you something. My son pointed out to me during this first service that he wanted me to emphasize here is this. When you get to the place where the Dead Sea is, where you're in over your head, guess what? You don't have to swim. You'll automatically float. Are you floating? Or are you just, ah! where are you? It's time to get in over your head, and it happens by a transfer. You saw how it started with Jesus, and everybody that got touched, they touched someone else to release more into them. And that's how it works. Now, I need, um, I need uh, our youth pastors over here. <laughs> I need our youth pastors over here. I need our pastors of everybody else over here. <laughs> Pastor Courtney, Pastor John, Pastor Alicia. I need our Emerge pastors over here, Pastor Terrence and Anna over here. Hallelujah. I need our junior and senior high. Where are you? Leaders, are you here? Are they here? I need you right over here next to the youth leaders. Listen, we're not doing church. We're being the church. You can go do church. Go ahead, do church somewhere. We're being the church. It says they'll know us by our fruit. What is our fruit? Is our fruit going to church? Or is it being the church, living out what's really happening? I'm going to tell you something. We are in the place of that water flowing under. It's where we are. That's the season we're in. We didn't choose it. It just is. So if we're going to be in that season, let's do what happens in that season. Let's release Let's touch. Let's send it out. Are you, do you want to be in over your head or do you just want to dip your toe in? I said, do you want to be in over your head or do you just want to dip your toe in? Do you want to be in over your head or do you want to dip? Listen, let, let me tell you something. Look around. I am way, I'm in way over my head. But you know what? I'm not drowning. I'm floating. And you know what I'm floating on? I'm floating on a dead sea. Because there's a bunch of dead people that are alive today. And I'm just floating on it. What do you want to do? You want to just dip your toe in? Oh, oh, it's too cold, Pastor Joe. I'm sorry, I can't go any further. Or this up to the knees, this is enough. I mean, I go up to my waist, but I'm wearing a wrap. I can't. Or I'm in up to my shoulders and, and I'm scared. No, you're in the exact right place. Because you're about to be in over your head. And when you're in over your head, then you'll know it's God. Because you can't hold yourself up. So I'd like, if, if the youth are here right now, junior and senior, please, can we get the junior high from downstairs up here? If we get the youth up here right now. 
Get those junior high up here right now. Hallelujah. Get the, listen, we are going to release it today. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to. Whoa. If we could get the 18 to 35-year-olds up here right now, I don't care if you're in a merge. If you want to be emerged in a merge, come on up here right now. Come over here. And if the whole church is up here, praise God. Who cares? <laughs> Look at this. I wanted to bring up the young people to show you how many there are. So stop asking me about it. That's it. I know this is scary, but this is the future. Oh, Lord. We, I think we need to have a prayer meeting instead. No, just kidding. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, if you're 18 to 35 and you've never been into this group, I don't care. Still come up here. Still come on. Just don't, 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 don't not come up because you haven't been to a meeting. Come on. Now, you need to face these pastors because they're going to be the ones praying for you. So you need to turn towards them. Don't be, listen. Don't, don't, yeah, come on. Don't worry. Listen. This is what we're called to, people. This is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. Now, the reason I called up the youth first is this. They'll come. <laughs> let, me, let me try that again. <laughs> the reason I called up the young people first is they'll come. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, it got real quiet in here because everybody else left here is somewhere between the age of 35 and my age, 50. So, or my 49, yeah. <laughs> but everybody else here is left in another category. But I, I'm expecting you guys to do it in order because you are the predominant people in this church. But I would like. Any of you that are ready to get in over your head to come on up. Because we got pastors. We got pastors here to pray for you. We need somebody else to come up and do worship, maybe. Whoever does worship. We need a couple more worship people up here. We're going to leave Pastor Kev because he needs to be praying with his wife. You want to stay there? Can we hit the other? Now here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for you. We're going to release that flow into you. Now nobody's allowed to fall down because if you do, it's going to be a domino effect. And the church will be over. <laughs> there will be lawyers outside waiting for me. So please, just let them pray over you. If they have a word, they'll give it to you. We'll take as long as it takes or as short as it takes. I leave that up to leaders because I trust you guys. I trust you on how you want to pray, however you want to do it. You want to pray in a big group. You want to pray over each person. You want to pray for couples. I don't care how you do it because, listen, the Holy Spirit's in charge. I'm not. So you do what you got to do to release God's flow and God's anointing into these young people. The rest of us are going to just worship. Now, listen, if you're in your seats, and you don't like crowds, so you're staying over there. When it lightens up, you just get up. Amen? All right? I know, how, you know, some of us, we don't like crowds. You know, we don't want to touch nobody. That's fine. But when it lightens up, you're more than welcome to come up. And if you don't, 
God loves you, I love you. It has nothing to do with that. But if you would just worship with us as our leaders pray. See, here's the plan. We're going to release something to you, and your job is to go out there and release it to the world. Amen.